You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. It is the Monday of the two-week longest wait of the football season. Oh, I don't know about that. I forgot a couple of weeks in... uh... April might be actually slower than this after the draft happens, but you get my drift. The Super Bowl is upon us, but it's not. We know what teams are in, but we got to wait for it. You can wait with us, the Mac and Mac Birds 365 guys. I'm Jody McDonald, and I don't know who this thief sitting next to me is. Uh, <laughs> J Mac going with the hat look. It's is too that, cold. I that just cold got in. That when you let the dog out this morning, it, it, it's too cold, it's too snowy. I've spent my entire weekend watching football or shoveling snow, it seems, one or the other. So, yeah, I'm uh, I'm tired of it. Okay. And he's, he's dressed to go out and do some more shoveling. We'll have to see if he can get through the two hours here with us here on Birds 365. Johnny Mack, we've got a Super Bowl that we've never seen before. The Cincinnati Bengals yeah. and the Los Angeles Rams have never faced in the biggest game We've had a bunch of repeat Super Bowls over the last couple of years. And when the 49ers went up 17-7, I thought we were going to have a uh, turn back the clock. Bengals 49ers rematch. 81-88. Yeah. I thought we were going to have a rematch from a couple years ago. Uh, uh, well, 81-88 for the Bengals. I thought not a rematch, but I thought we were going to see the, the, the 49ers. Uh, in the Super Bowl again from a couple years ago because, you know, every time the Bengals get in there, uh, it's against the 49ers. But not this time. The Rams were able to come back and do it. So, you know, great playoffs. We've been talking about divisional round. Unbelievable. But you expected, you almost expected when it was 21-3, Kansas City over Cincinnati. Okay, we, we got our good football in during the divisional round and this is going to be a blowout and we're not going to have good games. Nope. We had good games again and pretty unbelievable how close almost all of these playoff games have been. Really has been. Uh, the last game was not decided on the last <laughs> play. There were a couple yeah. of kneels down there that ended it. But prior to that five consecutive games, 
that were walk-off victories, that the last play of the game decided who won the team. So the quality of the football has just been off the charts. Uh, the NFL is uh, living the right life these days. I'm sure the TV ratings will be through the roof again this weekend, just the way they were last weekend. Uh, we'll break down both of the games for you today. We'll certainly try and make some ties between the teams that are heading to the Super Bowl, to the hometown football team, the Philadelphia Eagles. And there was one other pretty big story around the National Football League this week about a uh, supposed quarterback from Florida potentially retiring mm -hmm. uh, and a story that just never ended and will not end and will continue to be talked about probably all week up until the Super Bowl. I shouldn't say that because Brady may come out and make a definitive statement uh, during the week because he's on record as saying he does not want to step on the toes of any of the NFL's postseason stuff, even if it doesn't include him. Uh, so, yeah, that was a pretty big story over the weekend, which we're going to get into. But uh, I'm going to start here, John, because yours truly was on CBS Sports Radio last night while the Ram game against the 49ers was being played. Not the easiest shift I've had to do because you know most of the people who might be listening to your show are watching the game instead. But the few, the proud, the Jody Mac Zealots uh, were both listening and calling me last night. And for the beginning of my show, I certainly got plenty of reaction to the Bengals and the Chiefs game. And there were some mixed opinions, and I need the John McMullen opinion. The Kansas City Chiefs had a big lead in the game, could have been even bigger. We'll talk about how important that last play of the first half was, basically changed the courts and the direction of the show. Uh, but now that we know the result is in, Cincinnati rallied one. Uh, the kid McPherson makes another game-winning field goal. What is new? And Joe Cool, uh, the newest Joe, Joe Cool, Joe Burrow, is headed to the Super Bowl. Who lost that game for the Kansas City Chiefs? Ah, uh, Patrick Mahomes. Uh, you know, we we uh, you more than me, but I'll probably go more than you this week. Uh, blamed the Green Bay loss on on Aaron Rodgers. I'm going to blame this one on Patrick Mahomes. Look, you're supposed to be the superstar. You're supposed to be, if not the best quarterback, certainly the best quarterback when you factor in age and, and all that kind of thing. When we start talking about 44 year old Tom Brady, which we'll do um, you're supposed to be the best quarterback. You know, I get in this town while people are going to talk about Andy Reid and game management, you're supposed to trust your superstar player in that big situation. Andy did. He did it last week with the 13 seconds. I mean, and it was all peaches and cream and everybody's happy and everything worked out. And Kelsey and Mahomes are doing this, this impromptu dance and everybody's wow. Wow. So great. So great. So great. Well, guess what? When he plays poorly and by the way, he played poorly for a long period of time, not just the end of the first half, the entire second half, he Correct. was an abject disaster, Jody, a disaster. And for whatever reason, and I'm fired up this morning, for whatever reason, it's okay to rip anybody. It's okay to rip Aaron Rodgers. It's okay to rip Tom Brady. It's so okay to rip Matthew Stafford. You can't rip Patrick Mahomes. He was terrible, terrible in the second half of that game. When he was pirouetting around and fumbled the football, and he's lucky that uh, uh, it wasn't a turnover, I'm like, this is this is embarrassing. If this were Jalen Hurts, 
if this were any other young quarterback, they would be ab- absolutely destroyed. But for whatever reason, people have anointed this guy as the greatest thing since sliced bread. So we always say only one for Aaron Rodgers, only one for Andy Reid, which I think is stupid, by the way. They're both great. It's really difficult, and that kind of speaks to the greatness of Tom Brady, which we'll get into again because he's the outlier. Nobody else. If you go to the Super Bowls, Jody, he's played eight Super Bowl quarters. He's played poorly in seven of them. And he came back in the fourth quarter against the San Francisco 49ers. Now, he's had a lot of great moments, a lot of tremendous moments to come back against Houston when they got down. Um, I I forget how much, what was it, 27? I forget the exact number. It was amazing what they came back from. But 21 to three at home, and you're the better football team. And they put, you know, if you go back to early this season when Kansas City was struggling, Jody, everybody was going Jonathan Gannon on the Chiefs. They were they were limiting explosive plays. They were saying, guess what? If you're gonna if you're gonna beat us, you're gonna have to be patient. And he wasn't able to be patient. It seemed like it clicked for him, and he was able to take what the defense was given. All of a sudden, he got impatient again, especially in overtime. Um, and 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 there's your game. There's your season, Patrick. I don't want to hear Andy Reid. I know Philadelphia. They want to protect Patrick Mahomes. Bull bleep. And I can curse, but I won't do it this early in the morning on YouTube. But, Jody, disastrous performance from Patrick Mahomes. You and I see this one exactly the same. Uh, The only defense I'll give of Patrick Mahomes is, yeah, I got all over Aaron Rodgers last week. Aaron Rodgers stunk longer than Patrick Mahomes did. Because Rodgers goes down the field, gets a touchdown in his first possession, and then did zippity-doo-dah the rest of the game. At least Mahomes went two-plus quarters as Patrick Mahomes, three straight touchdowns, perfect pass, 15 of 17, over 200 yards. It's amazing how well early played. And then it it, it doesn't make any sense how well well he played early. And then it just comes, you know, if you have a bad game, you have a bad game. I almost understand it. If you have a bad, you know, it's like a pitcher who doesn't have his best stuff occasionally. You got to fight through it, and, and the great ones can can win a game. He was playing great, and all of a sudden, one play turns him into mush. I, I that that's 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 bad, Jody. That was it really bad. was, and he was bad. Uh, that play, and we'll get into the details of that play. Which again, does Andy Reid need to take a little bit of a hit on that play? Yes, he does, because he's the head coach. And I don't, it, I don't think he does. Well, I know no, what no, you're John, saying. Well, to me, it's his decision, right? Who's yeah. the head coach, Patrick no, Mahomes or Andy Reid? Who's I know the head coach, saying. Patrick Mahomes or Andy Reid? Simple question, John. He is the head coach, and I okay. get Then he's got to take some of the blame. If he's the head coach and the ultimate decision on the play lies with him, he's got to take at least part of the blame. He gave it to his superstar quarterback. He put his hands in his faith in Patrick Mahomes' hands. And Mahomes made a god-awful, terrible decision. How do you throw the ball in the field to play? You've got one set, you got one play, you got five seconds, you got no timeouts, you only need one yard. It's a quick hitter into the end zone. Either it's caught or it falls to the ground. If it doesn't uh, get complete, you try it out your field goal team, you take a field goal. So Reed gets to make that call. He made it. He put it in Mahomes' hands. Mahomes failed. So Reed gets part of the blame. 
I'd say about 80-20 on the player. It's mostly on Mahomes, but Reed is the coach, so you can't just give him well, no blame whatsoever. That. What I'm trying to say is, and and this might not be you, you're in the category, but most people I saw are in this category. In the fact that if Andy plays it safe there, they're killing him. They're killing him. You got the best player in the game. You got the best player in the game. You got to keep the football in his hands. You got to put their the foot on their throat. You got to go win the game, and he gets killed for that. Then he does exactly what people want, and I don't know if that's what your sentiment is. He does exactly what people want. the The quarterback knows the situation. The quarterback knows what what needs to be done, and the quarterback makes this egregious and really two mistakes on one play. You make the egregious mistake of hesitating, not throwing the football away, and then you make the conscious decision to swing it out inside the field to play, which obviously is 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 the bigger issue. So my only point is the critics killing Andy Reid. Look, he's a head coach. And, and, and this is what I respect Nick Sirianni for. Everything's got my name on it. Everything's got Andy Reid's name on it. I agree with that. But you know everybody wanted that football in Patrick Mahomes' hand. He's the superstar player. He's got to make the right decision. It's not a difficult decision. You go in that snap understanding, okay, it's go or get the football and kick the field goal. He knows that. And, and by the way, he's the first to take the brunt of the blame, and he should. Um, it was just a bad mistake by the quarterback. So if it makes people feel better, yeah, everything, Andy Reid's in charge of the Kansas City Chiefs. He could have kicked the field goal. He could have said, my quarterback's an idiot. I got to take the field goal. He would have got killed for that as well. So I, that's the only reason from my perspective, I don't care about Andy Reid's decision. That is the player's fault. That is here's, the player's fault. Here's where you're overstating it, John. If they kick the field goal and win the game, nobody's second-guessing Andy Reid. Well, you say everybody would be killing Andy Reid. Not if he wins the game. Now, if they end up losing the game, he kicks the field goal, the Bengals come back, and they end up winning the game by less than four points. Yes, he gets called on the carpet. But chances are they kick the field yeah, goal and they, know they hold them up in the second you know, half. People, people say it's a tie game at the end of regulation. If they only kick the field goal, they win the game. You know the game's played differently from that point. Right. It's not going to end up the same way. It changes the whole flex of the game. So I'm not as concerned with that. I get what you're saying. People are saying, if you kick the field goal, you win the game. Well, those people aren't thinking it out, you right. know, logically. It, but it, if they, it if they win way. the game, nobody, the way you just stated it, everybody kill Andy Reid if you took the field goal. Not if they win the game. If they win the game, it becomes a footnote. It's an afterthought. And nobody well, thinks, yeah, oh, my God, they should have gone for a touchdown there to open it up even more. Yeah, no, I should have said if they, they, if, they if they went on to lose the game, yes, he would have got killed for it. I agree. Sean McVay is a perfect example of that. He, he was a disaster as a head coach, and he's in the Super Bowl. I mean, he made two of the worst challenges in the nightcap you'll ever see out of emotion out of emotion of the stage that he had no chance and he's taken timeouts away from his team and in such a close game, just a disastrous coaching decision. And he's in the Super Bowl. So, you know, sometimes you make bad decisions and things work out well for you. Sometimes you make good decisions and things work out poorly. That's the definition, really. Andy Reid, that's a good decision. That's what you should do with a superstar player. It ended horribly. Uh, Sean McVay, terrible decision, and it ended up in a positive fashion for him. Couple terrible decision, ended up in a positive fashion for him. So all you can do as a coach is make the best decisions possible. I thought Andy made the right decision.
bottom as, line. As do I. I'm just saying, and then the result comes in, and there's got to be blame doled out. Mahomes gets the great majority of it. Andy doesn't go blameless. But I took some calls last night about Andy Reid. Can't win the big game. Every time he gets in a big spot, the guy's the biggest choker on the face of the planet. No, he's won a Super Bowl. He's won three championship games. He's lost five out of eight, which is not good, all of them being at home. So Andy's going to take his critique, and he deserves to take his critique. His team did lose yesterday, but the guy at the top of the blame list for yesterday's game has to be Patrick Mahomes. He is the young star quarterback that's supposed to be able to make – and not even – didn't need to be a great play. Just needed to be a play, and it's yeah, smart play. Yeah. Getting the ball into the end zone, he does the one thing that can blow up in your face. He throws it into the field to play. Yeah, that's on Mahomes, much more so than Reed. But I couldn't believe I was fielding calls about how Andy Reed can't win a big game. No, oh, I in got a this lot of game, it. I got it was a lot of it. I got a lot of it on Twitter. I mean, that especially in the Philadelphia area. Now you were doing national last night, so. I'm a little bit more surprised, I guess, from that. But from the Philadelphia area, there's this narrative that Andy's horrible at game management. You know it. You've heard it for years and years and years and years. Um, at times, it's been true. You know, in in each situation, you can you can point to certain things. What should he have done? You know, you go back to the the first Super Bowl he was in. Yeah, there should have been more of a sense of urgency. And then you get into you know, how sick was Donovan McNabb and all that stuff. Nobody knows the actual intricacies until somebody goes on record and explains it. Certainly not going to be Andy at this point. Um, look, I think he made the right decision. I think you have the best player in the game, according to most people. And again, I'm putting youth in there. You know, Aaron Rodgers should win the MVP. If he doesn't, it should be Tom Brady. But you know what I'm trying to say, Jody. I mean, this this guy's supposed to be the future of football. This is he's been the reason the Kansas City Chiefs have had this little mini run where they only got one. And I hate using that term. They only got one, so Andy gets all the blame for it. Well, guess what? Patrick Mahomes, if you look at it, each individual year when when the Chiefs have exited, he has not played well. He has not played well. Now, he's played a lot of great games. I'd still rather have him than anybody else uh, uh, in, in the NFL playing quarterback. But you got to be fair as well. He's far from perfect. And we're, we're hedging. We're, we're talking about one play, Jody. That's a footnote. If he just goes out and plays like Patrick Mahomes in the second half, that's a footnote for him. Just play like yourself in the second half. Let, you don't even have to bring your A game. You bring your C game, you win that football game in the second half. He was an F minus in the second half. It was, as I said, an abject disaster yeah. from the quarterback standpoint. So it was more than just that one play. The dynasty conversation when they rallied to beat San Francisco two years ago and the Patrick Mahomes is the only guy on the planet who could make a run at Tom Brady for GOAT status. Yeah, it's kind of uh, sputtered these last couple of years, uh, losing in the Super Bowl last year and not even making it this year with Mahomes throwing maybe the worst game, certainly of his playoff career but one of the worst games of his National Football League career. So uh, we got that game to talk about. We've got the Rams and the 49ers. 
for the second consecutive year, there will be a home team in the Super Bowl. They went 50 plus years without ever that having happened. It's yeah, now happened two years in a row because <laughs> the Bucks hosted last year and got a win. Will the Rams do the same in SoFi two weeks from now when they host the Cincinnati Bengals? We'll uh, break down the two games. What kind of an effect, if any, does it have on the Eagles? Bunch of Eagle conversation about their coaches. Guys potentially leaving town. Well, a couple interviews came down. One name was mentioned, hasn't happened. But the Eagles did lose an executive this weekend. We give you the details on all of that. Our first guest is going to be our bud, Jeff Mosher from inside the, the birds.com. Uh, a little bit later, we'll get uh, NFL writer slash author Gary Myers up to talk about a bunch of things, including that Brady guy. Is he retiring or isn't he retiring? But first up, Jeff Mosher from inside. Birds.com up first with us here on Birds 365 today. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the memories. Go for the view that goes on forever. Go for the bubbles in your bathtub and in your drink. Go to bed whenever you want or don't. Go for him. Go for her. Go for the wind. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears you know you like being right that's why you should enroll in an independence blue cross plan it's the health plan chosen by more people than any other with more doctors and hospitals more benefits that really rock more of the coverage you want for the right price including free doctor visits 24 7 it's a choice you can feel good about because when you're right you're right and when you've got independence blue cross you're right where you need to be Call 1-844-200-2583 today to get an Independence Blue Cross plan. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Monday here on Bird 365. We got the matchup in place for Super Bowl 56. That is just one of several topics we're going to discuss with our first guests. 
got a good banner there. He's looking pretty uh, good in that banner, and not that. too bad here on our YouTube channel as well from InsideTheBirds.com and their Inside the Birds podcast. Our buddy Jeff Mosher hops aboard. How's the off-season treating you, Mosher? Looking good. Thank you. I appreciate that. Now, last time you caught me with the bowl of cereal, so I made sure this time to be completely prepared <laughs> right. to go. Well, no cereal. Breakfast. Just I'm ready yeah. to go. <laughs> Most important meal of the day. No problem with that. And I want to give Jeff and Adam Kaplan, also friend of the show, credit. They were the first to report that Ian Cunningham was in the mix to be the assistant GM in Chicago. And that's exactly how it went down. So, as you mentioned, InsideTheBirds.com, Inside the Birds podcast with Jeff and Adam. Um, Ryan Poles, Ian Cunningham, tell us that about that connection and why is Ian? Ian's very highly regarded, as you know, Jeff. And a lot of people made fun of the Eagles and Jeffrey Lurie for saying GM Factory, and I got five future GMs in the building. Turns out he might have five future GMs, now four, four or so, maybe even a little bit more long-term. Ian Cunningham, that Eagles front office, league, rest of the league looks at it and says, eh, that's pretty good. I might yeah. want some of that. Yeah. Um, Ian interviewed last year, last offseason, yeah. Was, yeah, for the Carolina, Carolina. Panthers yeah. GM job, which eventually went to Scott Fitterer. So, you know, yeah, Jeffrey was was being sort of pat on the backish, but also fair that they, he does have <laughs> a number of um, executives who, who will be looked at around the league. And Ian – really was the third person from the Eagles front office this year to interview for a job. Obviously, Catherine Rach and Brandon Brown had interviews for the Minnesota GM vacancy, but Ian's the first to get it. The The interesting thing with him, guys, is that um, as far as his relationship with Ryan Poles, what we were told was they were very close, and yet they never worked together. A lot of times you see guys like Andy Weidel when he came, or Joe Douglas. When he came to the Eagles, he started pulling guys from the Baltimore Ravens chain into the Eagles scouting department, Ian Cunningham being one, Andy Weidel being another. There were a few others. But as far as I can tell, these guys just know each other from the ind industry, the business. They both played their college football in the Big East. They're both former offensive linemen. Um, but it was kind of the, the way we were getting it and the way I reported it, uh, me and Adam, the night it happened wasn't just that he was going to be on the list, but he was being targeted by Ryan Poles. And I had been told that it was about a – it would be about a 90 to 95% chance of it happening pretty quickly. And as you saw, it did. He flew out there for an interview. And I think by Saturday, he was named the assistant general manager. So, yeah, the Eagles do lose a guy in their a well-respected guy in their front office. But um, one of the interesting things that the Eagles did when they promoted him is that he – and I've, I've seen the Eagles do this before, John. You, you've seen it too, um, but, but not too many other teams. But he had the same title as Brandon yeah, Brown. Brandon, they were yeah. both – directors of player personnel like co-directors and Ian before that before he was elevated to that was the director of college scouting but the Eagles also have a senior director of college scouting and Anthony Patch so the question of how do we make up for Ian's loss as people have asked how do the Eagles do that I say well they kind of built it into that the job he was doing they have two other people who have either been doing it for a long time or um, or that they value in how they do it and so I don't necessarily know that they they are panicking right now about finding a replacement, but they do lose a guy who is very respected. Now, Jeff, let me ask you about the Eagles deciding to let Ian Cunningham go because the rules of being able to block someone from taking a job or even interviewing for a job can sometimes get into that gray area. 
um, he didn't get the GM job. If it was a GM job, be obvious. It would have been a promotion for him. This can be judged. Titles are different. Responsibilities are different. As a quasi-lateral move, uh, the Eagles didn't block it. They didn't attempt to block it. They allowed him to interview, and he got the gig. There's an upside and downside to both. Uh, if you block it, then you get to keep a good guy that you like, and he stays in your employee, and it helps you going forward. But you also look like a team that's not allowing their people to grow. You want to be able, if you're going to hire people from other organizations, let them know, hey, you come in, you, you, you do a great job for us. You may go on to bigger and better things elsewhere. And when you let a guy like Ian Cunningham go, you're doing just that. So that's bode well for the future for them hiring guys. Was there ever any talk about, no, we kind of really need Ian Cunningham. It's just an assistant general manager position. We're going to block the Bears from even talking to him. Uh, I don't know that there was, and I think a lot of that is what I just talked about, about as far as having really good, quality, competent people already in place to assume the responsibilities that he was assuming. Um, I think that the Eagles understand that this is a big part of the business where you're going to have guys who are uh, on your your hierarchy do well and leave other places. If you look at it from their, from his stand Ian's standpoint of view and the Eagles, he is now the number two guy in the Chicago Bears scouting chain. Ryan Poles is number one. He's number two. He's the assistant general manager. With the Eagles, Howie Roseman's number one. Andy Weidel is still number two. And you can sort of make an argument about whether Ian was the clear three when he's sharing the same job title as Brandon Brown, who's also interviewing. So if the Eagles wanted to keep Ian, they would have to match the kind of salary that he's going to be making in Chicago increase his title and then the domino up effect would have to happen. If you increase his title, what are you going to do with Andy Weidel who's ahead of him and with Brandon Brown, who's sort of tied with him in that regard. And I think that that's why they understand that losing and gaining guys is is just part of the deal in this business. And they try to have the Eagles probably have a bigger personnel and scouting department than most NFL teams. They have assistants out the wazoo. Yeah. Um, and same thing with coaching staff. They've got an assistant in almost every position. Not every NFL team has assistant coaches on for p- specific positions. So I, I think that it would have been complicated for them to try to retain Ian without kind of having to then reward or, or elevate two other guys. And that means promotions and more money for everybody else. Yeah. And I would argue, Jeff, that Catherine's actually the buffer between Andy and Howie. So she's technically ahead of Andy Weidel. And then you have Dave Caldwell. People forget Dave Caldwell's here. And -hmm. it's sort of murky as far as where Dave's a former GM of the Jacksonville Jaguars. So the Eagles are very deep in the front office. And this is a really good promotion for Ian Cunningham. Plus, he's a minority candidate. So the NFL is not going to look at it. Uh, very well if you try to block him from taking that kind of step uh, with the Chicago Bears. I I would add to that, John, but the only reason I didn't mention Catherine's name, and this is where the murkiness really comes in, is because the Eagles sort of define their scouting staff as the scouting staff and then the football administration staff, right? So Catherine sort of falls under that. I work under Howie and his department and not necessarily with – I'm sure she obviously does tape and things like that, but – if you go to their website, they even have it like kind of two yeah. separate staffs that work together. So in that yeah. regard, you're right. It does cloud. Where was Ian? But I, I was, yeah, he was number three on the, the personnel. But if you did open up the whole front office, you're right. He could be bumped yeah. down to technically four or 
or lower. And it's interesting because, you know, Catherine, when Andrew Berry was here for a very short time, she took his job and how mm -hmm. he explained that he knew Andrew Berry was going to get a GM job pretty quickly in, mm -hmm. in this league. And he turned out to be right. So he had Catherine shadowing Andrew Berry. I imagine whether it's Anthony Patch or somebody of that nature, he had them shadowing sort of what uh, Ian did. And, and the Eagles will be ready for this. So I want to ship with you to the coaching staff because this is a little bit different to me for this reason, Jeff. When, when Sean Payton called it a career, uh, we were at nine teams searching for head coaches at some point in this hiring cycle. Some have already made their decisions, obviously. That's nearly 30% of the league. It's a very nomadic profession. But I think people forget, when you change coaches, there's going to be big churn in coaching staffs. Mm -hmm. And we've already seen it when um, – Matt Eberflus got the got the job in Chicago. Kevin Petullo's name was floated for offensive coordinator. They went in a different direction uh, because Green Bay's getting hit so hard. Uh, Brian Johnson uh, was going to interview there to be offensive coordinator. Now they promoted from within, but there's got to be nine staffs populated in this league. So whether it's Jonathan Gannon getting the big job in Houston, Petullo. Brian Johnson, I don't know who's going to go, who's going to stay, but there's going to be some turnover, and it's not just going to be from Jeffrey Lurie scapegoating somebody for a bad game in Tampa. Mm, I mean, that, that's true. People are going to get pulled. Have you ever? It's a nomadic profession to begin with, but this is going to be historic as far as movement with assistant coaches around the NFL. I think the Jonathan Gannon hire is definitely holding up anything that may go on with the Eagles and their coaching staff. Uh, I, I, I like to joke, and I did. I wrote it recently, I think last week, that no team hires and fires uh, position coaches like the Eagles. No no team that makes the playoffs hires and fires position coaches as much as the Eagles do. I mean, in 2019, they made the playoffs and they fired three guys. Yeah. So um, they, they, every year, what if they had five wide receivers coaches in six years, four defensive line coaches in four years? So – I thought it was very telling, John, that Nick Sirianni, and by the way, it shows you that he's a little bit more advanced in the press conference of Doug Peterson. In his final press conference, he didn't say everybody was coming back. Yeah. He said he was in high evaluation mode. And I'm sure that there are positions that they look at on the team that underperformed, and they think we may need to make changes there. However, some of those changes, as you're bringing up, might be made for them if Jonathan Gannon gets a head coaching job and says, I want this guy, I want that guy. And they're – they're going to say, oh, too bad. All right, go ahead. You know, <laughs> so they're, they're waiting for, I believe, these dominoes to fall uh, among the coaching staff. So I, as we sit here today, and amazingly, the Senior Bowl is going to start soon and guys are going to go down. They are representing the Eagles with probably wondering a little bit about what their future and what their fate is going to be, especially guys, John, um, whose two-year contracts are probably up. Yeah. Because now is the time you start talking about whether you're renewing or keeping and uh, or, or not keeping. And if you haven't renewed by now and you're an Eagles position coach, you're probably kind of like, you know, what's going on here? And they're probably telling you, well, we got to wait for some dominoes. To fall. It's a very um, you, you, you you're perfect in describing it as a nomadic job. But it's also um, a job filled with a lot of purgatory at this time of the year where you really may not know what your status is going to be uh, until other dominoes fall. Most it seems to cut both ways. The fact that 
Jonathan Gannon's had a couple of interviews for the Houston job, but he hasn't gotten it. And there are six other jobs that they haven't decided yet. Three have, six haven't. McNown and uh, Gannon seem to be the two forerunners, but they both had plenty of opportunity to get hired and haven't been hired yet. How are you reading the tea leaves? I'm Is reading Gannon going to get the, it or not? I'm reading that as the Houston Texans don't know what they're doing. Surprise! <laughs> <laughs> Jody, when's your interview? You, you guys, yeah. you might right there. You guys could be head coach and defensive coordinator for the Houston Texans. It's not a very desirable job. I know that I'd someone's going to take it. Take it. Uh, right. Take someone's going to take it. It's one of 32. And obviously that's why you see guys like Jonathan Gannon, who's not coming off some amazing year as defensive coordinator, and Josh McCown, who's never coached in the NFL uh, at a position before as front runners for that job, because anybody who's qualified for that job is probably like, I'll just wait it out for next year and a different, different team. So that that's what I make of it is that the Houston Texans uh, don't exactly know what they're doing and have shaky leadership and are going to wind up making a very, very odd and sort of probably uh, regretful decision as their head coach. <laughs> Well, I'd throw Jacksonville in that category as well. They've wanted Fair. Byron Leftwich for, for weeks, but they won't give up on Trent Balky. What a disaster that organization mm. is. But I, I'll, I'll take it from a positive spin. One more question on the coaching staff. Mm-hmm. And I bring up Patulo and Brian Johnson uh, again. These guys are young coaches. We know how this league is, and and the Eagles were ahead of the curve as they usually are. We were, and I'm I led this chorus, so I'll take the hits. You know, I was concerned about the lack of experience uh, going into this past season on the coaching staff, but now all of a sudden, the rest of the league is catching up and said, "I want this young forty-year-old Kevin Petula. I want a thirty-four-year-old." offensive coordinator Brian Johnson we'll see if it shakes out that way but um nine to nine ultimately is what the Eagles ended up uh you know which is better than most people expected but Mm -hmm. this isn't the 13 win team like Green Bay where everybody's poaching the coaching staff what is it about this staff that people are are sniffing around and and most interested in well, I think you hit it on the head. And, I, and if I were you, I wouldn't, you know, take the L yet. I mean, we're talking about uh, a quarterback's coach and a passing game coordinator for a team that, you know, had modest passing game play and modest quarterback play at times. So I think it's more about the youth movement and the familiarity, at least as far as um, maybe like a Kevin Patulo, because he interviewed in Green Bay. There's some connection, right? Eberflus. No, no. Yeah, Eberflus. Um, yeah, Eberflus. Yeah, yeah, they were both in Indy together. Yeah. Right, right. So there's at least a connection there. Um, you know, and Brian Johnson's interesting. I mean, I, I you know, I, I, it's a, just like the Jonathan Gannon thing, getting a head coach look. It's not like the quarterback and the passing game was so um, so flashy that Brian Johnson all of a sudden would be bang on the radar. Let's get, let's bring him in. But again, sometimes you bring in guys for intel. Sometimes you're just trying to figure out what they're all about. I'm shocked that no team has thought to interview Jeff Stoutland just for the sake of finding out what his process is all about. Why wouldn't you bring him in? Maybe you're an owner who says, I'll never have a, an offensive line guy as my head coach because, you know, Tom Cable, that's why, or whatever. I mean, there's yeah. very few offensive linemen who become head coaches. Although I would. What about, argue, what about you I, mentioned the assistants, Jeff? Mm-hmm. Roy Isban, you know, Jeff's assistant. There. Sure. I mean, why isn't he getting an offensive line job? And maybe he gets one. 
You would think. You would think. I would argue Mike Munchak has been a really good NFL coach. I mean, especially an, and also an offensive coordinator in this league, and he's a former offensive lineman as well. I just had to shout out my Penn State guy there. You know that. <laughs> so, uh, but no, he has been. So I'm just surprised someone doesn't bring in Jeff Stoutland just to pick his brain, even if they don't want to hire him. Just get his. What's you know? Why are you so good at developing offensive linemen when it's such a a sore spot around the league, and he's done such a good job of it. So I've kind of not figured out the whole cycle of why people are brought into interviews, why people get jobs, why people don't. We were just talking about the Eagle scouting chain. The number one guy in the Eagle scouting chain under Howie Roseman is Andy Weidel. He's got zero interviews while the guys underneath him are getting interviews. So there's a lot to it that doesn't make sense. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, guys get looked at, they get, they, they get a chance to share their their um, their vision, guys or, or girls, I should say, women. Um, and we'll see what happens. We'll see how it shakes out. But I do your, – your thing about the Eagles being 9-7 nine, nine and, and or eventually 9-9, nine, nine, um, I think that's fair. I think it's a fair point. If, if you were to ask right now, if you were to say, what are the five biggest question marks on the Eagles, right? You'd probably have linebacker, safety, quarterback play, wide receiver play in there, and maybe number two corner next to Darius Slay. Those are the same five positions that you had a big question about coming off the 4-11 and 1 season. So, from a questions about the organization, not much has changed from your 4-win team to your 9-win team. That's cuz we know the 4-win team was more talented than 4 wins. It shouldn't have been a 4-win team. It wasn't a great team, but it was better than that. The injuries happened, and we also know the 9-win team is not really the playoff team. That's thanks to the expanded playoffs. It's not as good as it may look. They didn't beat anybody. So, they still have a ton of work to do. All right, Moach, I got one more coaching question for you. And, yes, would this be better directed at Frank Rice? Probably. But we'll settle for the Jeff Mosher inside here. Oh, boy. May the Schwartz be with you? <laughs> really? Yeah. Jim Schwartz coming out of retirement to take a D.C. job in Indianapolis? Oh, he didn't year. retire. He retired for 20 days. Yeah, that retirement was yeah. about his uh, – yeah. yeah. did they give him anything as a, go- a retirement present? I don't think so. <laughs> They talked about his health and, oh, I hope he's okay and he's going to be – he yeah. needs a time off. And then, you know, he's about – you In drink a Tennessee, cup of coffee and then he's yeah. working for uh, for the Titans. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, That man wanted out. That's the truth of it. <laughs> and he's not the only one. And, of course, now he's he's back in and somewhere else. So, I mean, that's yeah. just the reality of the situation. And he's a, a, a very good defensive coordinator. Yes. But I do want to ship to Championship Sunday, Jeb, and get your thoughts because Jody and I were talking about – you know this town and in the history with Andy Reid and Andy's getting killed. Can't win the big one. He's there again, 21-3 lead. Andy Reid versus Patrick Mahomes. I mean, uh, who, who's responsible? It starts at the end of the first half. I mean, yep. Patrick Mahomes has to understand that situation. Am I correct? <laughs> you are he's absolutely not told, correct. And I'm sure he's told. Yes. I mean, he's not a rookie. He's not a, a first or a second-year quarterback. He's a Super Bowl champion. He's been in that spot four years in a row. So I don't blame the coach for trusting the quarterback there to make the right decision. I, I blame the quarterback for making the wrong decision. I think he had a reckless second half. He ran around too much. He was – I think his gift became his curse because he made a couple of Russell Wilson-esque, Russell Wilson-esque type plays in the first half where he spun away and spun away and spun away and then made something happen. Then he tried to do that in the second half. And instead of throwing balls away at times, he he took hits, he took sacks. I mean, he – he really put his team in a bad spot. I, and I'm really disappointed. I obviously love watching Patrick Mahomes play. And I was really hoping this year for a Mahomes Rogers Super Bowl. I never seemed to get my Mahomes or my Rogers versus elite guys. You know, I wanted Rogers Brady for the longest time. Didn't get that. 
Now we get no Rodgers Mahomes. And to be honest with you, it's the Super Bowl, so of course it'll be fun. But, you know, Rams, Bengals. Joe Burrow uh, fun. Compared to what Joe you could have had going in, I, it is true. Yeah. I enjoy – obviously the Joe Burrow story is great, and they better win it this year because when you play in that AFC North and you have Baltimore and Pittsburgh to contend with every year, it's it's tough to start your own little New England-like dynasty because you don't have the Jets and Dolphins and uh, and Bills, what they Bills used to be, to pummel for six six wins a year. So the Bengals better take care of business this year. There's the Bengals going from 4-11-1 to the Super Bowl lift the hopes of the Eagles fans? Now the Eagles, if they're going to the Super Bowl next year, only jumping from 9-7 and seven or 9-8 and eight or 9-9, nine and nine, depending on how much emphasis you put on those last two games. Does it lift the spirits and or the hopes of Eagle fans to watch the Bengals make the huge jump they did? I don't know. Are the Eagles trading for Joe Burrow after the Super Bowl? (laughs) (laughs) Because then maybe uh, you would think that. But, um, you know, the one thing I've seen in the NFL is that you you can find plenty of examples of linear development, like you just mentioned, the Bengals. Um, You can also find a lot of examples of teams just kind of like, you know, they're they, they win and they lose a little bit next year. Then they're back up like the Chicago bears. You know, I mean, they were, they've been in the playoffs twice in the yeah. last four or five years. But if you kind of look at them in the big picture, you say, man, they've been kind of rotten. I mean, they're on a new GM. They're on a new head coach. Nagy was lambasted for at least two of the last four years. You know, same thing with the Vikings. They've been in the playoffs a couple of times, but they're, they're like this, they're up and they're out. Yeah. A lot of the league is like that. It's very, it's not as common anymore. I think where you see the team, Always, t- you know, you win four, then you win seven, then you win nine, then you're in the Super Bowl next year. It's it's the the parity and the expanded playoffs have made made it a little bit cloudy, I'd say, to to really um, try to figure out year to year who you are. Uh, I'm going to go in a different direction with the Eagles and Championship Sunday, and that's the L.A. Rams because Jeff, the Rams went all in. The the Rams went. We're going to get better in players. Mm-hmm. They don't have a first round pick, I think, until 2024. They said, screw that. We want to get Matthew Stafford and, and Von Miller and Odell Beckham Jr. in the process. And obviously, years past Jalen Ramsey, on and on and on, superstar players. Then he developed a couple, Cooper Cup, still got the offensive line, Andrew Whitworth, Ageless seems. Does that embolden Howie Roseman as a guy who in the past has gone all in, so to speak, that maybe this is the better way to do it? Because people value draft picks too much in this league, Jeff. They value uncertainty over proven players. I've never understood it. Yeah, no, I I, I agree with you on that. I think it does open the eyes to a new way of thinking. I, You know, everything's a calculated kind of maneuver. I think the Rams understood that with their coaches and with their talent going into the year, that unless everything fell under, you know, of course there's always a chance you might collapse like the Eagles did two years ago, have a lot of injuries, but they were going to be a pretty decent team and in contention. And when you're doing that year after year, like, you know, the Steelers or the Ravens, you're usually picking 22nd to 30 in the draft. And the percentages of that player being a really good player are dramatically lower, drastically lower than picking in the top 10. And they knew they weren't going to be picking in the top 10. So if they can flip first-round talent, as you're mentioning, John, which is a 50% chance of hitting on a guy for someone like Matthew Stafford or Odell Beckham or Von Miller, guys who are proven, as you mentioned, in this league, you're, at, you're just analytically, you're doing yourself better in that regard. 
So every every GM, whether it's Howie or whatever, has to kind of examine their 53, examine where they are in the landscape, and are they closer to being a team picking in the bottom 10 or are they closer to being a team picking in the top 10 where you do get the elite talent and then you kind of have to make the decision for there. The Rams have been good and good enough to contend for quite a while because of how they had built the team, and so they knew that they were more likely to be in the bottom 10 picking, so why not give away those picks and, and go for it all? Jeff, let me ask you about a guy who's got one more game to play this year, but then can be a free agent at the end of the year and how he could potentially fit here in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. We all agree the Eagles need to improve that wide receiver. Uh, some guys who've been drafted over the last few years who've been massive underachievers, one of which may have a roster spot just because it costs more to cut them than to keep them. You know who I'm referring to. The guy I'm asking about is Odell Beckham Jr., who mm-hmm. uh, major performance giants gets traded for a King's ransom to the Browns. Absolutely doesn't fit there. Was it his fault? Was it the quarterback fault? They end up releasing him. He decides to sign with the Rams, minimal money, take a run at a ring. And now he might very well get it. He's playing real well for the Rams. Cooper cup is the star. He's filling that number two role pretty darn well. We know he's a diva. We know he's a little bit of a nut job, but he's still a talented player. How would he fit with the Eagles? Would he have a problem being number two to Devonta Smith? Odell to the Eagles? Where does Mosher land? Well, would he fit? Yes. Uh, he'd fit pretty much any offense. Will Howie Roseman go out and, and get him? Cleveland, where we saw Cleveland, and that kind of Good fell point. flat on its face. <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure any wide receiver has really fit the Cleveland offense pretty well over the last two or three years. But I, I don't see him being the Howie Roseman type of move, only because, as you're mentioning, he's done, he's shown that he can still play in this league as long as you put him with, with some decent – quarterback play so he's probably going to get a multi-year deal from somebody if you look at all of Howie Roseman's (laughs) wide receiver acquisitions since he came back to power in 2016 they've all been bargain kind of moves even the Alshon Jeffrey move was a one-year deal because Alshon had a lot of question marks about injury history and PED history and he didn't give him the extension until three years uh, I mean a year uh, uh, half the year in so everybody else has been kind of bargain, right? I mean, uh, Mike Wallace was a bargain de- one-year deal. Torrey Smith was a two-year deal. Deshaun Jackson was, let's trade a six-round pick and give him a contract extension. Um, you know, Kamar Aiken, he's not really at that position, looked to free agency for a huge deal more so than a bargain. And if you look at this year's list of free agents, there are a ton of guys who are just good enough to get one or two-year deals and kind of help you out, like a Juju Smith-Schuster. Um and guys kind of in that 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 category that I think he'll target more than let me go reward a guy with a three year forty million dollar deal at that position. All right, last one for me, most can't let you go without talking about the quarterback situation. Uh, before that, inside the birds.com, Jeff Mosher, Adam Kaplan, inside the birds podcast. Make sure you download it where you get all your favorite podcasts, but Look, I I just talked about the Rams going all in. We can talk about the other players. We can talk about the OBJs, the Von Millers, but it comes down to the quarterback, right? Matthew Stafford, who isn't a superstar, but he's a really good quarterback. Mm -hmm. If the Philadelphia Eagles can find a way to swing Russell Wilson, um, and who knows if he wants to play here, and who knows where Deshaun Watson's going to be from a legal standpoint, 
and if he wants to play here. To date, he has not. How far is this team away from being the Los Angeles Rams? Does Russell Wilson elevate that 500 team into 12, 13? We're drafting in the bottom 10 category that you were talking about and allow the Eagles to go all in with a player like OBJ or another star player at another position. Yeah, no, I think it's a good question, John. I think people kind of overestimate the ability to to have that quarterback come in and lift your organization. I've heard people say you can't give up all those first-round picks for Russell Wilson, and then you have all these other holes on your team. And at first, I would say, I'm not sure it's going to cost you three first-rounders, all your three in this year's draft, because nobody else has three. So who are you competing against? Somebody who's willing <laughs> to give you one or two, and then a future? Well, you, then you can give your two and a future or something mm-hmm. else or a player to match that. So you can still have your first round pick uh, and they have 10 other picks in this year's draft to be able to use. Now, obviously you have to hit on that. They also have good free agency money. So you can go trade some picks for Russell Wilson and have a pretty good offense. I would think um, and have enough money to sign one of those veteran receivers I was talking about and still have enough money to, to bring in some help on the back end of your defense, whether it's corner safety or linebacker or both. Um, and then draft well. It's, it's not impossible, and it gives you, in my opinion, uh, a better chance to win. Now, especially if Aaron Rodgers winds up leaving Green Bay and going to the AFC, and then you've just taken Russell Wilson and put him on your roster. So who are you Who are you worried about beating in the playoffs now? Matthew Stafford, really, and, and Russell Wilson has done that before. So I do, I do think you can be a championship team and trade for Russell Wilson and not have to give up like every single pick that you have and mortgage your entire future and be right there. Uh, Because you have your offensive line and defensive line, and that's the strength and the backbone of your team. And he would just add to that, obviously. All right, Moshe, my final question is this. Since we won't ask you to come on in the next two weeks again, we appreciate it whenever you do. We try not to abuse the privilege. Who's going to win the Super Bowl? Who's going to win the Super Bowl and why, Rams or Bengals? Yeah, I I think the Rams, if I were handicapping it, I would think the Rams, to me, especially playing in their own stadium, would be – I think what the, the early line I saw was three and a half to four. Three and I a actually half, think, yeah. yeah, I think the Rams are probably five and a half to say if I were handicapping. I, I think that they're a touchdown. I, I just, well, I love the Joe Burrow story, but you can't, as a football, objective football analyst, think that that offensive line of the Bengals, especially the inside, is not going to be in trouble against Von yeah. Miller and Aaron Donald. I, I just, I don't see it. I, I honestly think that when they won the game in the divisional round, despite getting sacked nine times, there was a little bit of lightning striking twice. That that, that won't happen again. And I, I just think they're going to be overwhelmed uh, by that. Defense I'll tell you how, Jeff. A couple Rams. bad Sean McVay decisions. You're right in the yeah. game. Yes. <laughs> yeah. That is. That's true. That's true. And imagine yeah. if that guy hadn't dropped that interception for the 49ers, yeah. what we'd be saying today. It would be a, yeah. a repeat Super Bowl of what, the early 80s with San Francisco and yeah, Cincinnati. twice, 81 and 88. Yeah, yeah 49ers, but, Bengals. But this time, Joe Cool's on the other sideline. Last time, he's on the 49ers sideline. Different right. Joe Cool on the Cincinnati sideline. We'll see how cool he is against that pass rush from the Rams. Excellent point. From our buddy Jeff Mosher, we thank for hopping on board. Uh, Mosher, enjoy the Super Bowl. We'll get you on plenty during the offseason, brother. Appreciate it, guys. Have a great one. Thanks, inside the birds, uh, dot com and inside the birds podcast. Uh, our buddy Jeff Mosher with his pal Adam Kaplan. My pal is John McMullen. We are the Mac and Mac Birds 365 guys. We'll come back 
we haven't really talked about that Brady guy yet. Plenty on uh, the Super Bowl, more so on Andy Reid slash Patrick Mahomes, maybe a little bit more on the Rams and the 49ers. But yeah, the story that kind of rocked the National Football League this weekend was, is Tom Brady retiring? I'll get John Mack's thoughts next here on Birds 365. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the memories. Go for the view that goes on forever. Go for the bubbles in your bathtub and in your drink. Go to bed whenever you want. Or don't. Go for him. Go for her. Go for the wind. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. You know you like being right. That's why you should enroll in an Independence Blue Cross plan. It's the health plan chosen by more people than any other. With more doctors and hospitals. More benefits that really rock. More of the coverage you want for the right price, including free doctor visits 24-7. It's a choice you can feel good about. Because when you're right, you're right. And when you've got Independence Blue Cross, you're right where you need to be. Call 1-844-200-2583 today to get an Independence Blue Cross plan. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Johnny Mac and Jody Mac here with you on Birds 365. We thank Jeff Mosher for hopping on board. Coming up about, oh, 20-something minutes from now, we'll uh, take a little bit more national perspective. Uh, Gary Myers, a uh, friend of the show, buddy of mine, uh, national columnist for years, sports uh, NFL author as well, did a book about uh, Tom Brady and uh, Peyton Manning and the rivalry. Yeah, Brady the- versus Manning, yeah. Uh, so he's he's got a pretty good uh, read and relationship with Tom Brady, which was a major story this weekend. So Gary should join us in less than 25 minutes from now. Um, it's funny, John, where we sit in society today. I've been doing this for a pretty long time. Um, I found out the breaking Brady story from my daughter. I'm sitting here on the couch in the man cave. <laughs> 
losing money at Gulfstream Park. And I get a text from my daughter that says, Brady retiring? Well, I wasn't at the computer at the time, so I didn't know it. So I had to then move from the couch to the computer. What the hell is she talking about? Here's ESPN reporting that Tom Brady is going to retire. Hey, you take your information anywhere you get it. I get it from my 25-year-old daughter. Um, ESPN is standing by their report. Uh, two of their biggest guys, Schefter and Darlington on the NFL beat, say that their sources tell them Tom Brady is stepping away. Shortly thereafter, Brady responds to Tampa and tells the Bucks who get the story out there that according to Tom, he's made no decision yet. Brady's father gets on a uh, television radio outlet and says, I don't know what anybody's talking about. Tom's playing next year. Doesn't say Tom hasn't made up his mind. Says Tom's playing next year. It became pretty much a mess. And it uh, did exactly what Brady was on record saying he didn't want to do, which was step on the NFL's playoffs uh, this weekend. Uh, ESPN going to have to scrape egg off their face. Are they going to look like the best news-breaking organization uh, in the uh, NFL? How's this all going to shake out, Johnny Mac? Yeah, I think he's going to retire. And uh, I, you know, that's just my speculation. I, I would say, and I don't know what's happening with my, my lights, but uh, I would say that uh, from a standpoint of um, whether it's true or not, look, they're not making it out, uh, out of whole cloth, whole cloth, so to speak. So I think from the perspective of, uh, you know, did Adam or, or Jeff get it right? Ultimately, I think they got it right. Um, and, and we'll see. I, I think from the standpoint, it comes across to me like Tom wants to control the narrative, so to speak, and he wanted to do it himself. And it kind of leaked out there. I will say, I don't think he's going to change his mind out of spite, Jody. So now I don't think he's going to play out of spite to prove Adam Schefter wrong. Um, so ultimately, I think he's going to retire uh, when he decides to make that actual announcement. I, I, I don't know. Now, you got to believe it's not going to be till after the Super Bowl now, right? He, he, yeah, yeah. You have this lull. It would have to be this week as opposed to next week because you have that lull uh, with the Pro Bowl. Nobody cares about the Pro Bowl. So you can upstage the Pro Bowl. Um, which is in Las Vegas. So maybe there's a little bit of interest in that part of it, but not much. The the upstaging, that's sort of like an unwritten rule in the NFL, not just with Tom Brady, with coaching hires, with things like that. You know, don't guys don't upstage the Super Bowl, at least the weekend of the Super Bowl. Um, so I don't think he would do it in that direction. Um, but yeah, I think he's going to retire. I, I think. Maybe you know the answer to this question. Shame on me. I should. I don't. Is Brady playing in the Pro Bowl this week? I can't imagine he is. I don't know the answer, but I haven't seen the replacements. Um, but I and neither imagine. have I. That's why I'm yeah. asking the question. I, yeah. I know that he was named Pro Bowl quarterback as well. He should be. It's Ian Rogers for the NFC. Uh, is he even participating? I don't know that. Yeah, I, I I would guarantee he's not, but I haven't seen it officially yet. You know, yep. normally you see, and it might have come across that certain so and so alternate is 
uh, going to replace Tom Brady in the Pro Bowl. I can look it up while I try to fix my stupid yeah, 40, light. Yeah, 44-year-old guys don't usually play in the Pro Bowl. No, right? he's not going to play. Off, he, off he's the not. top of my head, I can't remember too many 44-year-old guys participating in the Pro Bowl. So it's 99% that he's not going to play, but... I remember him being named, but I don't remember him being replaced. So uh, we'll we'll try and look that up for you. Might um, be Jalen Hurts. He's an alternate. He was the like alternate. The, he's with, got he's like a third alternate though. So right. you got to go through a couple guys before you get to Jalen. Which oh by the way happens in the Pro Bowl. They they will go that deep. I remember one year. I think Ken O'Brien of the Jets made it. I think he was the fourth alternate. There were five quarterbacks ahead of him on the Pro Bowl roster. He ended up going because they all just kept begging off. Um, I'm not going to put it at 0%. It's coming back out of Yes, yes. I think that would be maybe above and beyond winning seven Super Bowls. The most boss thing he ever did does is say, oh, yeah, I'm retired. No, I'm not. I'm going to come back and play another year. He won't admit to purely because he wants to spite ESPN. And by the way, and I know we're, we'll, I don't know if we'll ever get to the bottom of this. Tom Brady's inner circle, not as tight as it's supposed to be. I, I'm with you. Schefter is too good. Darlington's good, but Schefter is the number one information guy in the league and has more sourced and has more deals in place with guys to get information than anyone uh he's only rivaled by Wojnarowski on the NBA level um so he he's probably got this right but it's kind of like the Chiefs and the the Bengals yet they did did Andy Reid make the right decision putting the ball in Patrick uh Mahomes's hands yeah sure he did but then when Mahomes does what he does Andy's got to take a little grief for it he gave his guy a shot and his guy came up small for him and Schefter's go with the information. If he's got it right and he's got great sources and he trusts the people, that's great. But, and he should have reported it, if Brady decides to come back, guess what? He's wrong. And you got to eat that if you are wrong. Uh, that would be the most boss thing that Brady's ever done. If he says, yeah, I was seriously considering retirement, but I changed my mind. I'm going to come back and play another year. Man, I, I'm not a Brady guy. I I respect the hell out of him. He's the greatest of all time. I've never been a fan. He's stuck it in the Jets' eye for the last 20-plus years. So I've never been a Brady uh, uh, devotee. I'm just a Brady respect guy. Man, would I respect him even more if he came back and played. Boy, I, I don't know. I just, like I said, you know, that's a Seinfeld episode, doing something out of spite. Um, yeah, you want to go through. Sometimes Seinfeld sneaks into the real world, John. Oh, man, it always does. Everything's been a Seinfeld episode. But uh, you're going to play 18 weeks at 45, despite Adam Schefter and, and Jeff Darlington. I just don't see it. Um, and, and, you know, I think Tampa Bay, too. I got a little bit from Tampa Bay and a few people down there. They're kind of, you know, you know they're, they don't want to admit it because they know Tom wants to announce it. But they kind of start thinking about the next chapter as well. Um, so uh, maybe they're hopeful uh, he wants to go in there and say, hey, I'm going to spite Adam Schefter, but I just, I can't see it in a million years. Even as competitive as Tom Brady is, maybe he's upset. 
I think he's walking away, but we'll get a better take uh, from Gary, obviously. Um, and, you know, we've talked about it from an Eagles perspective. If Tom Brady does walk away, if Aaron Rodgers is, is moved to the AFC, Sean Payton's no, no, no longer in New Orleans, man, the NFC is wide open. I'll give you one more. And I, I'm a defender of the guy. And he was himself yesterday. He was Jimmy Garoppolo. He was a mediocre quarterback. That's what he is. Some people paint them as the worst quarterback to ever play the game, which I think is woefully unfair. But he's not a guy who's going to take a team on his back and bring him to a Super Bowl. He's a game manager. You hope he doesn't screw it up. I don't have as a big problem of that last play that he made. He's going down. Aaron Donald's about to eat him alive. And he tries to flip the ball out. And he gets it onto his receiver's hands. And the receiver can't come down with it. So it goes off his hands. Interception. Game over. Of course, Garoppolo's going to get crushed for it. I and I was watching NFL Network. And, oh, he shouldn't have done it because it was only third down. Oh, okay. You want to go fourth and 13 rather than try and make a play. No, he did the right thing trying to do what he did. But he's Jimmy Garoppolo, and he is what he is. He's a mediocre quarterback. If San Francisco moves away from him, which is what I would believe as of right now, they lost. And Garoppolo was Garoppolo. He was mediocre, and it wasn't enough to win the game. They used the third pick on the uh, the draft last year on Trey Lance. My guess is they're going to turn it over to Lance next year. I may be wrong. Maybe they come back with Garoppolo. He's got one year to go at $22 million. I think they'll shop him and see if they can get something in exchange for him and then turn the franchise over. Uh, whatever you think about Jimmy Garoppolo, if you're going with a uh, second-year quarterback in Trey Lance and second-year quarterback is not in the uh, Burrow category of this year, Burrow played a lot and was the number one overall pick and had all that great college experience winning the Heisman, a coming-from-smaller-school level Trey Lance with a couple of games under his belt. San Francisco takes a step back next year too. If they make a change of quarterback, agree or disagree. Um, I, I, it, it's interesting. There's certainly a possibility. Here's my problem with San Francisco. And it's tough to say because they've been a very successful team. They, you know, they made a super bowl recently. They were, uh, they, they nearly made another one. Uh, they lose a very close game. But, man, they had a chance to get Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers. And they played that game of, uh, well, they're too, you know, we won upside, you're too old. I, I don't know where these people are getting these, we want 10-year windows. Man, you're in a position to win. Go win. Tom Brady's loved the San Francisco for it. He grew up idolizing uh, uh, Joe Montana. Aaron Rodgers, the same thing basically said, come get me last year. And they're like, wow, we got to get Trey Lance. Really? You got to get Trey Lance? You got to be set up for 10. How about go win a Super Bowl, maybe two Super Bowls? And then, yeah, you got a short shelf life. And then you revisit it after. I think you would take that um, that return. Tampa Bay will certainly take one, and they're happy with it. Um, so ultimately, look. I think they should have started the Trey Lance process this year. I'm well, you know, he must not be ready at all. So that concerns me because I saw sort of an Alex Smith, Colin Kaepernick type dynamic when um, Jim Harbaugh was there. 
uh, and they were a very good team. And all Alex Smith did was win games. I mean, his one loss record at the end of his career in San Francisco was tremendous. Uh, but they knew, and, and to his credit, Jim Harbaugh, who might be back in the NFL, uh, Vikings are snipping around him, um, and we'll see about that. But um, he kind of knew, look, we have a ceiling with this particular quarterback, and we got a guy sitting on the bench with tremendous athleticism, and he nearly pulled it off. He, You know, Alex Smith got hurt. Typically, you don't lose your job when you get hurt in the NFL. But he said, no, we're just more explosive with Colin Kaepernick. They made it all the way to the Super Bowl. Uh, they lost to Baltimore in a very close game, almost came back to win it. And we know the history from, from there didn't quite work out. I thought I saw that kind of dynamic sort of unveiling itself this year with Jimmy Garoppolo and Trey Lance. And if they were a little bit more explosive, they're probably in the Super Bowl um, right now. But they didn't feel comfortable pulling the trigger on Trey Lance, and that tells me a lot because Jimmy's not good. I mean, he's not good. And that limits – he's not bad. You're right. He's mediocre. He's just an average quarterback. That's but what that, he is. You know, we, we talk about it all the time, Jody. What you're trying to do – and what we say about the Eagles, this works for the Eagles as well, is you're trying to increase your margin of error. There's no guarantee you're winning with the best quarterback, but it makes it a lot. You just saw Patrick Mahomes lose yesterday in a disastrous fashion. The week before you saw Aaron Rodgers lose to Jimmy Garoppolo. It doesn't guarantee you anything, but what it does guarantee is it increases your margin of error. There's still a margin of error, whereas San Francisco with Jimmy Garoppolo, you saw, you know, in the game, it's a very close game. When it's 2017 with a minute and a half left, whatever it was, you take the running game off the table, the game's over. It's three might as well be 30. If you got a drop back against Aaron Donald and Von Miller and everybody else the Rams can bring, uh, with Jimmy Garoppolo, without the threat of Debo Samuel and all the eyewash, you just got to drop back and throw the football. It's over. Same thing happened to him in the Super Bowl. They played a great game for three quarters. Kansas City finally kick-started things, got the lead, game was over. So that's what you're trying to do is increase your margin of error. Doesn't mean you can't make the errors. And, and, and that's where San Francisco is. But San Francisco had a unique opportunity with both Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers. And John Lynch said, nope. That's why I say when you're grading, Jody, coaches, quarterbacks, general managers, everything's on a sliding scale. To me, John Lynch is not a bad job. Here's where uh, your point uh, runs into conflict. Jimmy Garoppolo got hurt week 17. Trey Lance was force-fed into the lineup. Yes, they will play in Houston, but Houston upset some teams this year. They're a bad football team. They were a bad football team. They're probably going to be a bad football team going forward. But they did get it together on several weeks during the second half of the season, including going into Tennessee and beating Tennessee. Um, So it's not like they were playing um, Navy or uh, North Dakota State. They're playing another NFL team. And he went in and had a decent game, 16 to 23, two touchdowns, threw one pick, walks away with a 23 to 7 win. 
they could have started the future right then and there. And I think they should. And they chose to go back to Garoppolo. Yeah. And Garoppolo beat the Rams. He won the first two playoff games. He ripped off three in a row. You can say Jimmy G, Jimmy G, and his numbers are never great. And you're right. But he won three games in a row before he got beat yesterday. So they actually did okay by sticking with him. They had every opportunity to say the future is now, and they didn't. So even though they may have turned down Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers because they're always worried about a 10-year run in the future, well, they had a chance to start the future. They didn't. They stuck with Garoppolo. You know, I think they made a mistake, but they're there every day. See, that's a concern for me. If they didn't think Trey Lance gave them a better chance to win, that's a concern for me. Uh, because if he doesn't give him a better chance to win than Jimmy Garoppolo, you got an issue. Uh, and if, if, you know, granted, you know, people need time to develop and all those things. And we understand right, that. You're, you're a big Shanahan fan. You've been singing Shanahan's praises. Yeah. And he's a much better coach than the Los Angeles coach. Well, the Los Angeles coach is going to Super Bowl. Shanahan's not. And he's the guy who hasn't well, been able to get Trey Lance up to speed. Well, yeah, but the thing is Sean McVay. And again, that's why everything is on a sliding scale. You give Kyle Shanahan Sean McVay's offensive talent. Um, and, and, and San Francisco's got, I mean, Debo Samuel, I say it all the time, is one of my favorite players to watch, maybe the most, uh, my my favorite player in the NFL right now. I mean, he is so unique and so gifted. It's not like they don't have talent, but you need the vehicle to get them to football, whereas you see it on the other side with Matthew Stafford getting the football to OBJ and Cooper Cup, uh, most notably. Tyler Higby got hurt in that game. Well, Kyle Shanahan made some mistakes, but he outcoached Sean McVay. Sean McVay had a terrible game. Uh, as a head coach, uh, but he's got the better team. He's got the better talent. He's got the better quarterback, uh, and he's got the bigger margin of error. That's exactly what I'm talking about. You can afford stupid Sean McVay decisions when you have better talent, and that's exactly what I'm talking about. And I wasn't necessarily – I just brought up the comparison of Alex Smith and Colin Kaepernick because I think it's interesting um, because nobody – Alex would just win games. But not necessarily about the injury. Just happened to work out for that 49ers team. I thought at some point this season, injury or not, they would pull the trigger on Trey Lance and say, okay, we got a chance to to go places. We need a little more explosion in this offense. So it is a concern to me that somebody as smart as Kyle Shanahan evidently said, this kid's not ready to play. And that goes back to John Lynch. Well, if this kid's not ready to play, why the hell aren't you getting Tom Brady or or Aaron Rodgers when you have the opportunity? Or at least try. You know, maybe you don't get it done, but at least try. Right, well, Rodgers and Brady are out of the conversation by the time. No, uh, no, no, no. But I, I mean, your thought process as a GM, your thought process as a GM is flawed. If you're worried about 10 years instead of getting one, possibly two Super Bowl titles. I mean, if you have a chance to go what do what Tampa Bay did, you should have taken that. You were in the same position. And guys would have come to play with you just like they came to play with Tom Brady in Tampa. Yeah, probably either at the San Fran with Brady or uh, if Rodgers had gone there. And once again, we're talking Brady and Rodgers. We're going to talk Brady with our next guest. Uh, 
Gary Myers, longtime buddy of mine. I've done shows with him up in New York, one of the best NFL writers over the last several decades, and also NFL author. Did a book about Peyton Manning and Tom Brady and a podcast about Brady. So he's got some pretty good Brady knowledge. Brady was a major story on the National Football League uh, Wired this week. Is he retiring? Isn't he retiring? Should it have been reported? Oh, by the way, Jody, before we get to break, it's interesting because it just popped up in my email. Kirk Cousins has been named to the Pro Bowl replacing Aaron Rodgers. Oh, really? Yeah. So there's You have the whole roster there? Is Brady still on it? Um, No, it's just, I'll look that up in the break. But it's interesting that that just popped up. So no Aaron Rodgers in the Pro Bowl. All right. Uh, We will come back. We hope to have our buddy uh, Gary Myers coming up next here on Birds 365 to talk a little Brady and the upcoming Super Bowl. Keep it right here on Birds 365. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the memories. Go for the view. It goes on forever. Go for the bubbles in your bathtub and in your drink. Go to bed whenever you want. Or don't. Go for him. Go for her. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. You know you like being right. That's why you should enroll in an Independence Blue Cross plan. It's the health plan chosen by more people than any other. With more doctors and hospitals. More benefits that really rock. More of the coverage you want for the right price, including free doctor visits 24-7. It's a choice you can feel good about. Because when you're right, you're right. And when you've got Independence Blue Cross, you're right where you need to be. Call 1-844-200-2583 today to get an Independence Blue Cross plan. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Mega Mac guys, here we are on Birds 365. We've got a uh, esteemed guest joining us to talk about two big topics. Number one, 
the upcoming Super Bowl and the two teams in it. And also this whole Tom Brady retiring thing. Our next guest is uh, NFL columnist, author, Hall of Fame voter, longtime guy who's been covering the league for uh, uh, too many years, like myself. Uh, Gary Myers joins us here on Birds 365. GM, how was your weekend? It was filled with snow, Jody Mack, and I'm sure just like yours was. Hey, John, how you doing? I'm doing well, Gary. Good to see you. I love the backdrop there. We got the catch and we got Brady versus Manning. So love that. Interesting time to talk about Tom. And what and was Joe, your... Jody, you can see the Mets. Uh, on the, that's... <laughs> yeah, the Mets. Gary, yeah. diehard, diehard Mets fan. <laughs> yeah. Um, obviously, you saw what happened with Adam and, and, and Jeff reporting Tom Brady's retirement. Then everything backtracked from there. Obviously, you've you've done a lot of research uh, with Tom and talked to him over the years. What's what's your thought process on where Tom is? Uh, Tom is somewhere on vacation with Giselle, <laughs> which not going to the Pro Bowl, Gary. I'm sure he's having a good time. I, I would think the first thing you'll hear today is that you know Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, a whole list of guys, yeah, will be dropping out of the Pro Bowl. As, Aaron as just dropped do. out, so. He, he beat him to the punch. Aaron did already? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Shocking. That's shocking. <laughs> they, they, they all want to collect their Pro Bowl incentives from their contract, but then nobody yeah. – it was hard enough to get them to go to Hawaii, you know, in the middle of the winter, which, you know, is a place that a lot of people would like to go. But to get him to go to Vegas or in the past Orlando, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. They can do that on their own if they really want to without having to play – in a football game, and the last yeah. thing they want to do is practice after the season has ended. Yeah, not not necessary. And yes, I although it may not have become official yet, I'm doubting highly Brady's going to the Pro Bowl. <laughs> Seeing as this report did come out over the weekend that he is going to retire, my guess is Tom's not happy. There was a leak somewhere in his inner circle that that was the way that he was leaning. Don't know if it was definitive. ESPN decided to go with it. Um, you know the guy. You did uh, a lot of work with him on the books that you did um, and the podcast that you did. Um, you probably had a sense of how he wanted to handle his retirement when he retired. Uh, next year, the year after 57 years old, coming back for season number, whatever. Uh, he is uh, the exception to every rule on the planet. Where did this thing go wrong for him this weekend? Or do you think it went wrong? Yeah, I do think it went wrong, Jody, because um, knowing Tom, he wanted to make the announcement himself. And uh, I'm, if you follow him on social media, you see that um, he's pretty prolific, or at least his his PR team is pretty pro prolific. Every week, a different, really nicely produced video, you know, pump talking about the last week's game and getting the fans all fired up for the next week's game. And I'm sure that it's already, it's been in the works that um, – you know, they're producing this as we speak. And I'm sure that he would wanted to wait until after the Super Bowl to announce it. He didn't want to take away any of the tension um, from the Super Bowl. And he certainly wouldn't have announced it the day before the championship game. So, like you said, th there's a leak somewhere in, in his inner circle. And ESPN ran with it. Now, Jeff Darlington, um, who I have a tremendous amount of respect for, was way ahead of everybody on the Brady story leaving New England two years ago. I mean, he was getting into debates on his own on own shows on ESPN, him insisting he was leaving, and everybody said, no, I can't imagine that Brady's going to leave New England. And he was right, because he had a great source 
in Brady's, you know, camp. And I'm sure that's what happened this time too. I don't know, you know, who exactly between him and Adam Schefter, you know, who wrote it, who got the tip, maybe they both got it and they confirmed it with each. I don't, I don't know how that worked, but notice that nobody has denied he's retiring. They've just denied that he's made his decision. And that's a huge difference. Him calling Jason Light and saying, I haven't made my decision is a lot different than him saying, Hey, let's get to let's get the gang back together and make another run for it in 23 in 22. I'm getting a year ahead of myself. Here. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I do think he's going to retire. Uh, I'd be surprised if he doesn't. I felt this way for a few weeks. I think his body language during the Rams game gave away everything. He just wasn't as fired up as you usually see Brady on the sidelines. You know, when they were down 27 three. In the past, you'd see him screaming at his teammates, saying, this game's not over yet. Come on. You know, he just sat there with his tablet looking at plays, you know, and I thought that was yeah. I thought that was a telltale sign right there. It is interesting, though, Gary. The game wasn't over, amazingly yeah. enough. Now, they needed some help, but there was Tom Brady uh, had him in a position to win. Amazing comeback. So people have talked about his competitiveness. You just mentioned it there. There's that hope that he'll come back out of spite. No way he comes back out of spite oh. to prove Adam Schefter and Adam Jeff Darlington wrong. It's just a timing thing. Correct? Let me tell you something. I'm going to try to say this as cleanly as possible. Tom Brady doesn't give a <laughs> about Adam Schefter, ESPN, <laughs> Jeff Darlington. Um, that you think he's going to put him, not you, but in general. Yeah. I, I've heard that theory. Yeah. There's, if, if he's mentally checked out of playing. That's how I look at it. And you think he can get himself geared up and put him through mentally and physically what it takes to play another NFL season, and he's going to be 45 in August, to do that just to spite ESPN? There's not a chance in the world that would be his motivation. If he decides to come back, and I'm not completely ruling it out, although I think it's probably like a 2% chance, it's because – he, you know, he, he didn't want to make an emotional decision. He got away from the game. He talked with Giselle. I want to do it one more time. That kind of stuff. It's not because, oh, I'm going to prove ESPN wrong. Uh, not it, it. Boy, for something of that magnitude to have to put himself through another season just to prove, you know, them wrong. I don't. I don't see that happening. But let me play. Let me example. let me play to the two percent because uh, I. I agree with you that that's not a Brady type thing. Oh yeah, I'll show ESPN. No, that's not Tom Brady. Um, but to play to the two percent, he did say he thought he could play to forty-five. He's not forty-five. All right, so he's he, forty-four and a half. Yeah. He, he well, be forty-five in yet. August. Yeah. Okay. Well, they said he could play till forty-five, which would include next season. Um, yeah, he may have been a little disengaged on the sideline, as what we're used to with Tom Brady. And, he got him even. As John pointed out, Will it help from his friends, the fumbling uh, Los Angeles Rams. But he did tie the game. And if his defense stands up, he gets the ball back. Is that the way he really wants to end? I know it's such a long story. The narrow focus on this decision at the end shouldn't and wouldn't and won't take away from Brady, Brady's great career. But the end is the end. Is this the way he wants it to end? Well, very few players get to go out like John Elway winning back-to-back championships or walking away like Michael Strahan did after the Giants beat the Patriots in 07 
those and Jerome Bettis walked away after a championship. I mean, so I gave you three examples. So obviously it does happen, but it's very hard for that to happen. Everything's got to fall into place. I, I don't think there's, well, let me put it this way. If he had won the Super Bowl this year, would he have walked away with back-to-back championships? He would have been the first to do it since he did it in 03, 04. Or would he have said, you know what? Nobody's ever won three in a row. I'm coming back to try to do it again. <laughs> oh, yeah. Right? So what would have happened then? Well, it's hard to do that. It's really hard. You just don't snap your fingers and you're back in the Super Bowl. There's, there's so much that has to happen. There's so much that has to break right. And we saw how it didn't break right for the Bucks down the stretch. Chris Godwin, ACL, Antonio Brown, however you want to yeah. phrase it. Yeah. But, you know, that was that was a big chunk of his, of his of the skill position players that he had. So in the end, who did he have to throw to? Gronk and Mike Evans. I mean, both those guys, Hall of Fame players, perhaps. But, you know, that was half of his arsenal right there. And no, he didn't want to go out like this. He, he certainly would have rather gone out with a championship, whether it was this year or going for three next year. But again, you guys have been around the game long enough that just to get back to the point that he was against the Rams um, with a shot to win that game, it, it's just so hard just to get right back to that same spot. Like I said, you don't snap your fingers and all of a sudden you're back in the moment. So I, I just don't think he had physically he can do it. I think he, we've seen he can do it. He had one of his better seasons. But the mental part is the hardest part. And to get yourself geared up to go through that grind again. See, I don't buy this stuff about he wants to spend more time with his family. He's 44 years old. I would have loved to retired retired 44 to spend mm-hmm. more time with my family. But I had to keep working and I'm still working. Right. So he had to keep working. What's the big deal? Maybe his hours were a little longer during the season than than mine and yours. Although, Jody, you work around the clock. I know that. Mm-hmm. Um so I don't buy that I want to spend more time with my family. His kids are in school all day. What is he going to sit at home and wait for him to come home to give him a peanut butter and jelly sandwich? No. I mean, he, most parents work. And if he had to keep working at 44, you know, big deal. It was the mental part of, of gearing himself back up uh, to go through the grind again that I think ultimately is the reason he's going to give. Yeah, Gary, you you mentioned how the stars have to align to a certain extent to win a championship in the Chris Godwin injury, injury, Antonio Brown, on and on and on to what happened to the box and they were still mm-hmm. in the position. In a lot of ways, you look at Championship Sunday and you look at what happened to the Kansas City Chiefs. Everyone talks about Patrick Mahomes and, and where he is as a player. You got one play at the end of the half and derails things for the Chiefs. Patrick Mahomes, as great as he is, can't recover four straight championship games. They have one Super Bowl championship. Tom's at seven. How many championship games? We're never going to see this again, are we? I mean, to see see something that happened like a Brady? You mean yeah, one yeah. of those? No, yeah. no, nobody's ever going to win those many championships again. I want to throw in there among the injuries and the things that went wrong for the Bucks was you know, Tristan Wirfs. Yeah, oh, yeah. All-pro right tackle, against which really yeah. changed things on their offensive Completely. line, especially against a great pass rushing team like Los Angeles. No, I, I mean, people are looking like, what's the next Brady Manning, if I can get a plug-in from my book over there? Um, and they want to say you know, Patrick Mahomes and, 
and, and Josh, Josh Allen. Allen. Yeah. Well, yeah, maybe, maybe at that level, but one of them's got to go on to keep winning Super Bowls. To it can't just be in AFC Championship games, and then those guys. I mean, in, in divisional rounds or AFC Championship, and then they don't go on to win at all. I mean, that's what made it special is the winner, Brady Manning, always seemed to go on to win the Super Bowl. And if I can just say what happened to the Chiefs at the end of the first half yesterday was inexcusable and, to me, emblematic of Andy Reid's coaching career. Horrible time management uh, in so many big games, going back to that Patriots-Eagles Super Bowl at the end of that game. Now, according, you know, watching the CBS broadcast, it sounded like they were saying that Andy wanted to kick the field goal and Mahomes, you know, said, give me one more play. And obviously you got to throw the ball into the end zone or throw it away under any circumstances. And I don't, I don't know what was going through Patrick's mind there, but he put Hill in a position where he couldn't score. And, and to go off the field, having left three points on the field or maybe even seven, I think that had a carryover effect because Mahomes was a different player in the second half oh, definitely. until that last drive when they tied it up uh, than he was in the first half. I've never seen a guy going from he couldn't miss and was making these magical plays to he looked like um, – I'm going to try to throw a quarterback at you here. Uh, uh, Nate Nate Sudfeld. In Nate. The fourth quarter the against, unstoppable Nate, Nate Sudfeld. Against Washington in the final game of the 2020 season. By the way, a little plug for Nate. You got to see him on the sidelines yesterday next to uh, Jimmy Garoppolo. He's not dressed, but he was there. Yeah, <laughs> He's got um, the rest of the season off now. All right, Gary, we're going to put you to the, the, the test here because John and I talked about this at the very top of the show. If there's 100% of blame to go around for that last play in the first half, it is shared between Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid. What's your percentage breakout? John and I were close. We were slightly different. We need your percentage. Blame to Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes for that last play of the first half. That's a great question, Jody. Um, I would say 25% to Andy Reid for not telling Mahomes to get his butt over to the sidelines. He was taking the three points. Um, and 75% to Mahomes for just rookie mistake execution. I mean – like I said before, five seconds to go. You got to make a snap decision where you're throwing the ball. If nobody's open, throw it away. Don't leave those three points on the field if you can't find seven. Um, Patrick is a veteran quarterback, has played in a couple of Super Bowls. She said four straight championship games. You, you just can't be making that mistake. And I think that gave the Bengals life at halftime because they oh, yeah. came back on them oh, in the yeah. 17th week of the season. So they knew they were vulnerable to comebacks. But I think those three points might have been might have put the game in an insurmountable position just psychologically. I'm big on the whole psychological aspect of football games that um, there are certain moments in games that can just turn things around. And I think that had that kind of effect on both teams. I think the Bengals went in at halftime saying, Hey, we just, you know, dodged a bullet here. We could have been down 28 to 10 instead of 21, 10, and I know they get the ball to start the second half, but let's just stop them and get our offense moving where the Chiefs were thinking, hey, you know, we had a chance to put them away there. Um, and our all-world quarterback just made a horrendous decision and mistake. And they went into, despite having an 11-point lead, they went into the halftime kind of on a down note. 
And you saw the carryover effect, you know, on both sides uh, when they came out in the third quarter. Yeah, the numbers, Patrick Mahomes' numbers from the first half to the second half, it's just completely dropping Yeah, dropping off a cliff. It was, And that's why, look, Gary, there's no question Andy Reid has had some game management issues in the past in big spots. But if you can't trust your superstar quarterback who's supposed to be the best player in the game, certainly if you bring in youth and upside and all that kind of thing, in that type of situation, I can't blame the head coach for that. I got to blame the quarterback. I, 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 I'm astonished at, and then you go in the second half and some of the plays Patrick Mahomes was making, you've been around this game for a long time. Have you ever seen everybody has bad games? We saw Aaron Rodgers have a bad game the week before. Have you ever seen somebody play so well and then just completely drop off a cliff in the same game. No, I mean, especially in such an important game. Uh, sometimes you do see that in the regular season. Things happen, and, you know, a team just can't execute or can't get anything going from one half to the next. But, you know, I, I really – if you think back to midway of this season, how the Chiefs were playing – uh, there was a Monday night game against the Giants that kind of epitomized the struggles they were having at that point. Teams were playing, you know, too deep, and and Patrick was not taking the short stuff. And credit to him, he adjusted mm-hmm. um, and started taking the short stuff, and they started using Tyreek Hill more, and you know, for 10 to 15 yards instead of, you know, 40 yards down the field. But the way he looked in the second half, to me, was the way he looked in the middle of the season. And then he couldn't get himself straightened out for whatever reason. I don't really think Cincinnati was doing anything different. I mean, I'm not smart enough to watch on television and say, okay, they were doing this as opposed to doing that defensively from one half to the next. To me, he just he just played horribly. And he, he, he showed that it can happen to the very best players in the league at the very worst times. And it, you know, you, you hate to pin it on one player, but, you know, Patrick pretty much cost him the season yesterday. All right, this is a very interesting dynamic we got coming up in the Super Bowl, Gary, and I'm going to narrow focus it here. Of course, it's a bigger story than I'm, what I'm looking at here when I ask you about, but this is kind of a fun key matchup. Cincinnati's mm-hmm. offense, which was put together through the draft, Joe Burrow first pick, uh, Higgins the year before, Jamar Chase this year, uh, the, the kicker that they took in the fifth round who does nothing but make game-winning kicks. The Bengals' way of doing things through the draft, building it from the bottom up and watching it blossom. Maybe even a flower analogy that uh, our coach here in Philadelphia would like. Uh, It certainly all came together for Cincinnati on that side of the ball. As compared to the Rams, who went out and said, screw draft picks. We're going to uh, go out and get uh, players already developed, already proven in the league. We'll give away our draft. Jalen uh, on the outside. Yeah, Miller on the line. They're two different philosophies, and uh, they both have gotten their teams to the Super Bowl. It's the offense against the defense. Who's got an advantage coming into this game? Rams D, Cincinnati O. Well, I first wanted to get the, the point you just made about how these teams were built is so spot on, Jody. Um, with the way the Bengals did it gives every team in the league hope. Um, two years ago, they had the first pick in the draft. Two wins. 12 last year. Yeah. 
I know that's kind of gets an asterisk because, you know, Burrow got hurt. I forget what game that was in, but he missed a good chunk of the yeah, November. Yeah. second half of the season. So, the, you know, the, he was better than that. They were better than 4-12 and 12 last year because they were better than that when he was playing. Um, but that, that has given every team hope that's in that position. Get yourself a good quarterback or a great quarterback, as I think he is, and, and build around him. Um, Cincinnati has, you know, picking high for a bunch of years now, um, had a lot of quality draft picks, and they, they've made a lot of right choices. As far as Cincinnati offense against the, the, Bengal, uh, the, the Rams defense, I mean, first of all, the, the Rams offense can score. I mean, they're explosive if Stafford is, you know, not nuclear lution throwing it all over the place. <laughs> no. uh, just a bit outside. Is that, <laughs> am, I, am I mixing up the movies there? Bull Durham. Yeah, you yeah. got it. The other one was uh, – which one was that when he got – Bob Euchre is – Bob Euchre's just a little bit outside. Just yeah. a little bit outside. Anyhow, if Stafford's on his game, the Rams can put up a lot of points. Uh, Cooper Cup is amazing. Beckham – Although they're not throwing to him deep like the Giants did, he's always been explosive over the middle on these slants and shorter routes. And he looks as good now as he did when he played for the Giants. So don't sell the Rams offense short in terms of being able to, you know, put up 40. Um, the Rams defense is all predicated on their pass rush. Um, they're, they're playing Eric Weddle in the secondary who was laying on the beach for two years and just came back a few weeks ago, which is an amazing. Yeah, and he let him in tackles. Eric Weddle. I mean, not that that means anything, but pretty amazing. He was able to come back and. I know least... it's a it's a it's a great story, but yeah. listen, I'm all in on the Bengals. I think it's a great story. Um, I've been very critical of the Bengals. I actually suggested that Burrow pull an Eli and Elway and get yeah. out, force the Bengals not to draft him a couple of years ago, um, but. You know, they they built it around him really quickly. Taking his college teammate was a great move. And Jamar Chase has just been, I mean, he's a great player. And to be able to, and he had a bad training camp, if you remember reading about that. Oh, yeah, he's dropping everything, yeah. Even early in the season, he a lot of drops, Gary. Yeah, but just, you know, John, just the chemistry they were able to come into the season with knowing each other. I mean, it was a huge benefit. Um I think the Bengals will be able to score on the Rams. Um, but I also think the Wrangle, the, the Wrangles, the Rams will be able to score on the Bengals. I think this is going to be an exciting Super Bowl. I think it's going to be high scoring. Uh, it's a fun matchup. I know people are probably rooting for, you know, the Rams uh, or the or the 49ers against Kansas City because everybody likes to watch Mahomes play. But I think this, you know, the last couple of weeks has been the coming out party for Joe Burrow or oh, yeah. Joey Burrow is his buddy's call. Um and this is going to be a fun Super Bowl. I think so. I, I, the one thing with the Bengals that concerns me, Gary, is that offensive line. It's so weird yeah. to see a yeah. good team with a bad offensive line. Usually that you can't block people. You can't play offense. As good as Joe Burrow is, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, they lost uh, the tight end, Uzama. Hopefully yeah. we'll see what happens. But I, I don't think he's going to be able to play. Joe Mixon's a great running back. Uh, Tyler Boyd's, Boyd's a great slot receiver. They're great at the skill positions, but how do you block Aaron Donald it, with that offensive line? Yeah, I mean, that, that's that's a, a great concern, I'm sure, going into this game. And they're probably a little bit ahead of schedule where they expect it to be. I don't think anybody 
anticipated they would be in the Super Bowl this year or maybe even have made the playoffs. So maybe top on their agenda for the draft was they're going to get some quality players in the offensive line. And, and now they're all the way in the Super Bowl with a, a relatively porous offensive line. I mean, they were horrible against Tennessee. Yeah. And, um, and the Rams are just as explosive on that line getting to the quarterback as, um, as you know, Jeffrey Simmons and that crew were in Tennessee. But um, perhaps, perhaps the, the phone call today should be to Anthony Munoz and Willie Anderson. Guys, how old are you? You know, can, can you yeah, do if Eric Weddle can come yeah. back. Why not Anthony? Yeah, Munoz? bring Anthony. Yeah, Eric Weddle was on the beach. Let's see where Anthony. Munoz <laughs> yeah, is. I mean Munoz is what. Uh, it's still considered, you know, the greatest offense uh, left tackle in NFL history. And Willie Anderson's on the cusp of the Hall of Fame. Um, maybe they got a little gas left in the tank. Of course, it would have it would set the clock back. Well, Ant Moon yeah. is already in the Hall of Fame. Already, yeah. Anderson it would set the clock back five years on Hall of Fame eligibility. But um, it, it, listen, they're going to have to figure out a way to max protect. Um, and make sure that Burrow has got time to um, uh, to get the ball off. But, you know, Kansas City's got a pretty good pass rush with Jones and, and Frank Clark, and um, he had some Houdini escapes from the pocket, kind of like Eli-esque on the, um, on, the catch, on the helmet catch play where, you know, he got away from all those yeah. Patriots. Burrow looked like he was buried under a couple of times, and all of a sudden you see him emerging – I mean, he's a lot more nimble than I think anybody. Yeah, he's got more mobility than people realize. Coming off that injury, that was a concern for a lot of people. He's an amazing comeback as well. People have already forgotten the the devastating injury he was able to come back from. And let's one other factor or one factor to consider here is, you know, Zach Taylor having been on the Rams staff and working for McVay a few years ago. He's very familiar with Aaron Donald and what it's going to take to try to block him. Not saying he's going to be successful, but at least he has some, you know, insider knowledge on the, uh, on the Rams personnel. Gary, I've got one more question for you. mm -hmm. And you spent years uh, both writing and on television covering the entire league, but a big chunk of your career has been covering the New York giants and they just named another coaching change the last several of which since Tom Coughlin was told his services were no longer needed as a two-time Super Bowl winning coach then really hit the mark too often as a matter of fact disastrous might be the better descriptive adjective of the last couple giant coaching hires Eagle fans want to know or need to know is Dable a change in the right direction or is this going to be another guy who two at max three years from now, the giants going, all right, well, that didn't work back to the drawing board again. What what do you call something that's every two years? Is that biannual? Biannual. Yeah. Yeah. So they, they make biannual coaching changes. (laughs) (laughs) McAdoo lasted four games, less than two years. Shermer, two years, Joe judge, two years, Philadelphia guy, Joe judge. Um, I mean, Dayball, is it Dable or Dayball? I mean, I've heard it pronounced both ways. I guess I got to learn that. I um, think it's Brian you know. Dayball. That's what I mean. But who yeah. knows? Because... I've heard somebody, you know, say Dable like it rhymes with table. Um, but listen, you, you bring a guy in and you're projecting how he's going to be moving up one level on the coaching staff. 
it's a huge projection and you never know. So he's going from being an offensive coordinator where he had great success with a guy that was very raw coming in, Josh Allen, who's now a top five quarterback and maybe even better than that. Uh, and the Giants have like an unfinished product in Daniel Jones. I mean, we, we've seen glimpses of what he can do. I mean, we know he'd have a hard time finishing off 80-yard runs at, uh, at the link. <laughs> Lincoln Financial. But <laughs> to get there, you got to give credit for getting there. Yeah. But he was pretty good on the first 70. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, he, he's very athletic. He's got a good arm. Um, I, I think he has a, a, a pretty good skill set to build on. It's just they've had such poor talent around him, especially on the offensive line, that I, I'm glad it appears that they're going to give him – this fourth year, they probably need to bring in a better backup than uh, Mike Lennon because it seems that Jones is get, gets hurt every year. I don't know if it's because of the line or he's just injury prone, but I thought Dable was a good choice. I'll leave you with this thought. My feeling is in this day and age in the NFL where it's really an offensive league that you have to hire – your best coach has got to be an offensive coach because if you hire a defensive coordinator – Tell me who his offensive coordinator is going to be. Unless it's a guy like Pat Shermer, and we know like the Giants weren't going to bring him back if they had hired Brian Flores and bring you can't bring Shermer back. But unless it's somebody that I'd say is as accomplished as Pat Shermer as an offensive coordinator who's on a staff that's just been fired, right? So you're able to hire a Brian Flores and then get somebody as accomplished as Pat Shermer to be your offensive coordinator. Unless there's a guy out there like that. If you hire a defensive coordinator, which you're basically as your head coach, then what you're basically doing is hiring a wide receiver, quarterback, or running back coach, and projecting him to be your offensive coordinator, which is what happened with the Jets. Now, Mike LaFleur might turn out to be a really good offensive coordinator, but he was a position coach in San Francisco, and he had a lot of growing pains as an offensive coordinator with the Jets. But what the Giants are doing is they're bringing in an accomplished offensive coordinator to work on the most important part of the game, which is now offense, and betting that he'll be able to hire a good defensive coordinator like a Wink Martindale or um, uh, Vic Fangio or maybe yeah. Mike Zimmer. You know, these guys who are available to be defensive coordinators if they want to do it. So I like By the, the way, the, but Gary, there's a report out there this morning that they're going to retain Patrick Brand, who's a okay. Great so that's a good move too. Yeah, if if he doesn't get the Vikings head coaching job, which right. he won't, uh, so Patrick Graham will likely be back, and that's a pretty good setup for for the Giants. Well, I, I will say this: that um, uh, the defense played really well in in 2020. Last year, they played better the second half of the season. They had a ton of injuries like everybody does. You know, they they lost Blake Martinez, who was the glue of their defense, either in the first or second game. And the players love Patrick Graham. So I'm sure he's disappointed about getting passed over as the Giants head coach. It wasn't realistic. They can promote from within off a team that won, you know, four games or whatever. Yeah. Only won 10 games the last year. But keeping a defensive coordinator that the players – really like and played hard for, I think is a really good move by the organization. Yeah, when you look at the final four teams in this year's uh, NFL playoffs, including the two in the Super Bowl, four offensive-minded guys. That's what your, your point about it's an offensive league is on point. Gary, great stuff. We appreciate you coming on board. Thank you much. Uh, glad to hear you had a good new year. 
uh, like John uh, and myself here in the Northeast, stay inside till you got to leave for the Super Bowl. Yeah. Don't go out. There's too much snow out there. It's a little <laughs> well, I'm, I'm skipping the Super Bowl this year, but um, I did have a run of 37 in a row. That's not bad, Gary. That's I not broke bad. it a couple of years ago. Yeah, it's um, a pretty nice run and uh, deservedly so. G Myers, thank you much, brother. Appreciate it. We'll get you on during the offseason. Okay, sounds great, guys. Thanks for having me on. Gary Myers here with us on uh, Birds 365, uh, veteran NFL columnist, author, and Hall of Fame voter. We didn't even get to the Hall of Fame because we had so much Brady stuff and Super Bowl stuff to get to. We'll get uh, Brady's going to the Hall of Fame. I don't need Gary. You're going out on a limb and saying Brady's (laughs) going to be in the Hall of Fame, John? First ballot. You got them hanging, buddy. You want hot takes. You come here for John McMullen. That is the hottest take of of all. Yes. Going out on that proverbial limb. Uh, Jody McDonald, John McBowen here with you on Birds 365. We'll come back and put a bow on the show. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the memories. Go for the view that goes on forever. Go for the bubbles in your bathtub and in your drink. Go to bed whenever you want. Or don't. Go for him. Go for her. Go for the wind. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. You know you like being right. That's why you should enroll in an Independence Blue Cross plan. It's the health plan chosen by more people than any other. With more doctors and hospitals. More benefits that really rock. More of the coverage you want for the right price, including free doctor visits 24-7. It's a choice you can feel good about. Because when you're right, you're right. And when you've got Independence Blue Cross, you're right where you need to be. Call 1-844-200-2583 today to get an Independence Blue Cross plan. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. All right, as Chuck Woolery used to say, two two. I'm gonna go two two and two. Uh, 22 hours and two minutes until we have to come back here on uh, Birds 390, uh, 365 tomorrow. 
Anything going to happen in those 22 hours and two minutes, Johnny Mac? Uh, oh, we going to get a uh, JG to Houston breaking story? Is Tom Brady going to step up and go, all right, ESPN got it right. I'm not coming back. Anything of consequence going to happen before you and I uh, get back here again, Manana? Oh, I think uh, things are clearing up on the coaching circuit. So I do think uh, Houston's going to make a decision probably this week. Um you know, the Raiders are going to hire Josh McDaniel. So that's number four. Um, Minnesota's having second interviews with Kevin O'Connell, Raheem Morris after last night's game. Uh, the Rams are going to the Super Bowl, though. I think they're going to hire Kevin O'Connell. Um, so the coaching stuff is finally coming into to focus. Um yeah, Tom Brady's not going to be in the Pro Bowl. We're going to find that out. Aaron <laughs> Rodgers already is not going to be in the Pro Bowl. We already found that out. Patrick Graham likely back with the Giants, as I mentioned. All all kinds of all kinds of NFL news. Never stops. Right. Last one for you before we wrap this bad boy up. Rich Basaccia or Jackson McDaniels? Yeah. Who do you want to your head coach? I'd rather have Rick Rich Basaccia. So would I. Yeah, Josh McDaniels might be one of the most overrated coaches in the. Although the I would have loved if the the Eagles almost hired Josh McDaniels last. Thank year. God they didn't. I would have loved it from my perspective. I, I to cover that, uh, you know what? I would have loved it. No, uh, thank <laughs> thank you very much for Mr. Lori stepping in. Hey, if one. you create news and interest, I'm all for it. No, that's all I'm, I want. I, I'd rather see the Eagles win a little bit. Uh, sorry, I want no part of Josh McDaniels, one of the most overrated coaches in the last 20 years in the NFL. All right, partner, I'd say we get back here again 22 hours from now. You in? Let's do it. Two get, and two. Get back here in 22 hours on Birds 365. If you missed any of today's show on the Jacob Media channel, listen to the podcast on your way home. Available on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.